0: Welcome to Bible Baptist Church Online. We're glad that you've joined us today. Hope the message will be a challenge to you, and encouragement to you. Did you know that there's a website called mastersclass.com? Mastersclass.com. At this website, you can, for an annual fee, take master class video classes from masters in all kinds of fields. For example, you can learn photography from a professional photographer. You can learn business from successful businessmen. You can learn uh, sports from MVPs and gold medal winners. You can learn how to cook from world-class chefs. In fact, I had a relative of mine that took one of these master classes in cooking, and he tells me now that he can make the most amazing scrambled eggs. Now, I'm not sure what you can do different to scramble eggs. I can scramble egg with the best of them. But he can make the most amazing scrambled eggs thanks to Gordon Ramsay, world-class chef, and his master's class. And so you sign up and you can learn from the master in whatever field that you want to learn in. Well, this morning, I want to give you another opportunity to learn from the master, Jesus Christ, which call this series, The Master's Class, The People Skills of Jesus. Who better to learn from than Jesus Christ when it comes to dealing with people, He's the creator. He knows mankind inside and out. And so here we can look back through God's word, allows us to look back and watch real conversations with real people. And so far we've watched the master as he engaged the woman at the well. And as he talked to the rich young ruler here, two people who were kind of outside of, uh, of his his realm of connection, but yet he had time for both of them. Uh, one from uh, uh, maybe an outcast, an outcast of society, and one who was admired by society. And so today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to look at uh, a, not more of a conversation, but an ongoing relationship, a little different than the first two messages. And here, not with an outsider, but a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ, someone from the inner circle of christ did you know that jesus had an inner circle did you know that there was a crowd that followed him oftentimes there's multitudes and then there was a maybe a crowd that even kind of followed him around and in that crowd there was the disciples that were close to him and in those disciples he had three peter james and john that were part of his inner circle do you understand today that you have an inner circle as well we are not think of it that way or call it that, but there are people that you have more influence on. There are people that you have more impact on, that you have more connection with. And so today I want you to really think about and focus in on those in your inner circle. Probably people like your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, maybe your neighbors or some other relatives, some close friends, maybe people that you're working with in a mentor relationship. Those people that you have... Close connection and impact and influence with part of your inner circle. And today we're going to look at some people skills of Jesus as he dealt with one man from his inner circle. So today we're going to look at and follow the relationship of Jesus and Peter. Jesus and Peter. Like that book report you did back when you were in high school, where you read the first chapter and the last chapter and kind of made up the middle, we're going to kind of do that today with Peter. We're going to read the first instance, first conversation between Jesus and Peter, and then the last conversation, and we're going to refer to things that happened in the middle a little bit. So we're going to start right at the very beginning, the moment that Peter first met Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 1 in your Bibles. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. And here we'll find the story of Jesus meeting Peter and his brother Andrew for the very first time. They were followers of John the Baptist. And now Jesus Christ has come on the scene, and these two men are going to have a conversation. Jesus and Peter have a conversation beginning in John chapter 1, verse number 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finds his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Just a real quick conversation. But I want you to notice here the moment they met, Jesus gives Simon the name Cephas. All right, so there's a lot of names going on here. His name is Simon. Jesus calls him Cephas, which is an Aramaic name. And the other name, which is the same as Peter, which is Greek. So Peter and Cephas same, one in Aramaic, one in Greek. So we often call him Peter. He's often referred to Peter in the Bible. But Jesus said, when he first sees Simon, he says, I'm going to call you Cephas or Peter. And that name means the rock, (laughs) the rock. Now that's a great nickname. Now, if you don't think so, just ask Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's a great nickname. And so I, I love this. He sees Peter and he says, I'm not going to call you, I'm, he sees Simon, I'm not going to call you Simon, I'm going to call you Cephas or Peter or the Rock. And so today I going to look at three transforming tools that Jesus used as Peter transfo- Simon transformed into Peter or the Rock. The first transforming tool we found right here, it, it, real quick, this real quick conversation that Jesus has with Peter. And the, at the very moment he met him, he says, I'm going to call you something. I'm going to give you a nickname. I'm going to call you the rock. Jesus saw Peter not just for what he was, but what he could be. And I want to show you this tool, the transforming power of envisioning. Envisioning. Jesus saw in Peter something, and he envisioned for Peter what Peter could be. I'm not going to call you Simon. I'm going to call you the rock. And as you read through the Gospels, there are many times that Peter looks anything like, like anything but a rock. I mean, he is up and down. He is known. One author called him this, the clumsy, big-mouthed fisherman. That's kind of a good description of Peter. And often we can see ourselves in some of the things that Peter does and says, a clumsy, big-mouthed fisherman who kind of jumped to the forefront, maybe spoke without thinking sometimes. As you read through the Gospels, you'll see uh, the time when when Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water only to sink just a little while later because he took his eyes off Christ. We see the success followed by a failure. And this is the man that Jesus called the rock. We see it when when he confessed Christ. He made a great confession, and he said, "Uh, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a great confession. And and Jesus even said, You know, that's a great confession. Upon the rock, uh, upon this rock, upon me, I'll build my church. And a, a great victory, only to be followed by just a little bit after that conversation. Jesus is talking about someday having to give his life. And Peter rebuked Christ. And Christ said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, in that same conversation, almost this happens. You see Peter, the victory followed by the defeat. And certainly we'll talk about this later, but there's a time where Peter boasted, though all your other disciples leave you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And a short time later, he denied Jesus Christ three times. A victory followed by a defeat. We kind of see this pattern and Peter. this is who simon was this is the, the big mouth clumsy fisherman but the moment that jesus saw peter or saw simon he said i'm not going to call you simon i'm gonna call you peter or cephas i'm gonna call you the rock jesus saw something in this man and he envisioned for that man what he could become envisioning Uh, is an important tool that can help us transform those that we are in contact with. I'm talking about your kids and your grandkids and those you have influence over. How are you envisioning their future for them? Uh, How are you communicating to them? You know, envisioning can be a negative or a positive tool. It's it's just as easy to say to to a child, you never get that right. Why do you always mess up? You know what you're doing right there? You're envisioning for them a a negative, negative vision. And I know, and maybe you're listening today, and you, can, you think back to your own childhood when people said things to you. Maybe even at school where you were ridiculed for something. And that bothered you. And that vision that others had of you started to become part of your own identity. And so envisioning is a very powerful tool, both negative and positive. And here we see Jesus used it for the positive. Let me tell you a story here. I, I, I found this article. It's called Throw Off Your Labels. Throw Off Your Labels. It tells the story of a, a school in Los Angeles that had a tough time. It was in a tough area, had some of the lowest scores, and, and didn't perform very well. In that school, there was one class that really had difficulty, one class that really had problems. And they could not uh, do well. In fact, teachers wouldn't stick around. They would leave. They would, they would back out. They would quit their job. The students were labeled in that class as out of control. They're labeled as learning disabled. They're labeled as emotionally disturbed. And the principal needed to find a new teacher. And it was uh, in December. He needed a teacher for January. The teacher had just quit. He's looking for a new teacher. And he came across a teacher who had just graduated from college in December and was looking to jump into the field. And there wasn't many jobs open being mid-year. And so he gave this job, to this, cl- this class, to a young lady teacher. He decided he wasn't going to tell her about the problems. He's just going to let her go in without giving her any help at all. Well, the story is told that after several months, they checked the scores and that class had actually improved. It was now one of the better classes in that school. He couldn't believe it, so, and he heard rumors about the better attitudes that were in the class, and so he went to the classroom to, to check it out himself, and he was uh, stunned to see the students participating. After the class, he went to the teacher and said, you know, you're doing a great job, and, and she said to him, I, I know what you did. I know what you did. And he thought for a minute, maybe she found out that I gave her the class, the tough class, the bad class, the worst class. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, I know you gave me the gifted class. I know that. The secret's out. Again, he said, well, what do you mean? And she walked over to the desk, and she pulled out a piece of paper. And on the paper, it had the list of the students' names. And by each name, there was a number. And she said, I found this list in my desk of these students and their IQs. 123, 145, 126. 122. I realized I had the gifted class. The teacher began to chuckle. He said, those those aren't their IQs. Those are their locker numbers. This lady had thought she had the gifted class, and she pushed them, and she held them accountable, and she thought when they were misbehaving, it was just because they were bored, and so she kept pushing and pushing, and she raised their score because she envisioned for them that they were better students than they actually were. Envisioning is a powerful tool, tool that can be used. So my question is: what do you envision for your kids and for your grandkids? What do you envision for those that you have contact with and you have influence over? That younger Christian that you know, what do you envision for them? You know, and it's more about character than it is about accomplishment. I hope that we don't get caught up in envisioning uh, my child will play in the NHL. My child will be the best soccer player. My child will be a great musician. My child will be this. And we try to envision and and push and push and push. But it's nothing wrong. And it's it's a good idea to envision that your child would be hardworking, would have character, would be honest. These are character traits that we should envision and, and push and say, you can do this. You can do this, and we envision, just like Jesus said to Peter, and throughout, we'll see this as, throughout the, uh, the New Testament as you read. Though his name was Simon, Jesus saw him as Peter, the rock. And Jesus understood the power of envisioning. Who in your life are you setting a vision for? Your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, those you influence. Do you have a vision for them? And are you helping them? Are you using the power of your words as a positive vision or a negative vision? The power of envisioning. Let's now flip over way back in our Bibles to John chapter 21, back in the, the very end of the book of John. We're going to look at the very last conversation that Jesus has with John in John chapter 21. We see the transforming power of envisioning how that Jesus called him the rock. Now we're three and a half years later. After Christ has died on the cross and resurrected from the grave, we find this conversation, this lengthy conversation between Jesus and Peter. Look at verse 15 of John chapter 21. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonas, I, I, I don't know why this is, but he calls him his old name. He doesn't call him Peter. He, says, he calls him Simon. Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. And he saith unto the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither that thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Here we have a conversation between the master and Peter, three and a half years into their relationship. I want to show you here the the transforming power of patience, the second tool that Christ used throughout Peter's life, envisioning, and now patience. Jesus basically asked Peter the same question three times. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Jesus doesn't seem to be rushed. He doesn't seem to be frustrated here. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's working on Peter. Just like a master sculptor using the transforming tool of a hammer and chisel, here's Jesus Christ hammering away with patience on Peter, on Simon, making him the rock. Peter. Peter. Christ's patience as Simon becomes Peter, the rock, is seen throughout the highlights of Peter's interactions with Jesus. He never seems to, to uh, lose, though he speaks directly to Peter at times. He's very clear. He speaks the truth in love, as we've heard already. And we see this in different times, even in the, the story that uh, Pastor Levi preached on last week about the rich young ruler. Great story. At the end of that story, the very next thing that happens in the, in the, in the book of Matthew is Peter speaks up, which is not unusual. And Peter says something to the effect like, if we're following, you know, what do we get out of it? What's in it for us? Kind of a rash and a bold question. You know what? And Jesus is very patient and answers Peter's question. Throughout, if you read throughout the, the narrative, Jesus is patient with Peter. Can I ask you a question? How patient are you with your children? Probably not the best question to ask after a, a, a pandemic and homeschooling for all these months. How patient are you with your children, your grandchildren? Do you see yourself as a tool to transform and help transform your children and your grandchildren into what God wants them to be? The powerful tools of envisioning and patience. How about with your spouse? How patient are you with your spouse? About, says, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And a husband and a wife are brought together to encourage each other and to shape each other and to make both of them more like Jesus Christ. How patient are you? How quickly do you get frustrated and give up? Patience is a powerful tool. And many of us can see ourselves in the ups and downs of Peter. And in, those, in that case, we're thankful for the patience and long-suffering of Christ. And we see ourselves in the ups and downs of Peter, but can we see ourselves in the patience and persistence of Christ? We want Christ's patience with us. We want Christ's persistence with us. But do we give the patience and persistence to other people? We see ourselves in the ups and downs of Peter, but do you see yourself in the persistence and the patience of Jesus Christ? This is what transforms people. Envisioning. Patience. And Christ's relationships with Peter proves this transforming power of patience. So we've seen the the tools are envisioning. Let's be positive, not negative. We see the tools are patience. Persistence. But one more thing we see here in this passage. The transforming power of forgiveness. Verse 15, Christ, when he asked the question the first time to Peter, he said it this way: "Lovest thou me more than these? <laughs> Lovest thou me more than these?" There's a lot of discussions what he means by what by these. It's kind of hard to see, and you're not there on the scene to see what he's pointing at, what he's uh, referring to. So it's difficult. Some say he's referring to the fish and the boats and all. Don't you love me more than fishing in your old way of life? That, that could be a possibility. Love thou me more than you love these other men. Don't you, do you love me more than you love all the other fishermen that you're with here? Do you love me more than these? But I tend to believe that he's talking about, Peter, do you love me more than these people love me? I believe he's referring back to the denial that Peter made. So this whole conversation is a throwback to Peter's claim and Peter's denial. Peter claimed, Those, all these will deny you. I won't deny you. Yet he denied him three times. And so this whole conversation is, a, is, is pointing back to that. So I believe he's saying, do you really love me more than all these other guys like you said you would? You may ask, why did Jesus ask this same question three times? Well, I think it shows his patience, number one. We talked about that already. But also... We know that Peter denied Jesus three times. There's three times that, Jesus, that Peter said, I, I know not the man. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. And it was in the same setting here around a fire. Here Jesus is around the coals of fire cooking fish. And, and it may flash back in Peter's mind to the time that he stood around a fire and a little maiden asked him, do you know the, you know the man? You know the man. And he denied him three times. The Bible here says in verse 17 that Peter was grieved because that Jesus asked him the third time lovest thou me. Jesus here shows his forgiveness. He does hold Peter accountable. When we messed up, we were held accountable for that. But Jesus wanted to offer his forgiveness. In fact, Pastor Stone preaches a great message that I've heard him preach before. Forgiveness in two words. When he told the women to go tell the others about Jesus' resurrection, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Words of forgiveness. And so the the transforming power of forgiveness, Jesus shows his forgiveness here by entrusting Peter. He says, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. I'm going to use you. I'm going to entrust you with the most precious thing I have, my followers. And so forgiveness is shown in trust. And so he entrusted Peter with a great task of feeding and leading the flock of God, for years to come. And again, we see he shows us forgiveness not only by entrusting, but also by envisioning again. He talks about this, about the death that he would die, that, that Peter would glorify Christ unto death. Again, here, even Peter is still, you know, kind of in and out, still up and down. But Christ is still envisioning for Peter, you will be faithful to me till death. There's transforming power in forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive this morning? Is there somebody in your past that has wronged you? Maybe we talk about the the negative envisioning that's happened. Maybe someone that very close to you has hurt you in the past. You know, the only way to get through that is for forgiveness. Forgiveness transforms you and can transform the other person. There is power in transformation in forgiveness. How do you show your Forgiveness. How do you show forgiveness to your kids? Do you trust them again? Do you envision for them again? How do you show your forgiveness uh, to those you want to influence? Here, Christ sets a great example for us. He used the transforming tool of forgiveness. Jesus molded Simon into a rock, a rock of the early church. We know the rest of the story is that Later on, after Christ goes back into heaven, Peter preaches, and 3,000 people were saved in Jerusalem. Paul also says in the book of Galatians, Paul, writing about the early church, says, Peter, James, and John, who seemed to be pillars. He said, these three men, in my estimation, were pillars. We're rocks. We're, were carrying the weight of the church. And so Paul recognized Peter as a rock, as a pillar of the early church. So Jesus molded Peter through envisioning patience and forgiveness. These three and a half years were not wasted on Simon. Simon became Peter. My question is, who are you molding and influencing today? I want you to think about your inner circle again. I want you to use the tools the master used in their life, envisioning for them, being patient with them, and forgiving them. Will you learn from the Master on how to deal with people? I also look at the other side of the coin here real quick as we finish up. We're talking about envisioning for others and helping to mold others and using people's skills to be a help to others. But realize this, Jesus is still molding you. Jesus wants to transform you. He has a vision for you. I want you to read this verse. Listen to this verse from the Bible. And it's actually found in 2 Peter 3.9. Now, why is that? That's unusual because Peter actually wrote this years later. So this is Peter writing. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here it talks about uh, the The Lord's desire for us all to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. That's the vision he has for you. The vision he has for you is that you'd be in heaven someday. Many of you have trusted Christ as your Savior already, but if not, the vision of the Master for you is that you would be in heaven with him. He's not willing that any should perish. And on top of that, he wants to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the vision, to be like him. He has a vision for us, and Peter saw that. Also in this verse, we see the patience. The Bible says in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 9 of 2 Peter, that, he's, that God is, Christ is long-suffering to us. He's long-suffering. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as someone counts slacks, but is long-suffering to us. This is Peter talking about the patience that Jesus showed in his life. And he shows in our life, he's patient with us. He's long-suffering. I thank God for his long-suffering and patience as he tries to mold me and envision me to, to make me like Jesus Christ. And he's forgiving. He's forgiving. Our verse here says that he is not one that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is waiting for you to repent so that he can forgive. Have you asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins? Have you repented? Jesus is still in the transforming business. It wasn't just Peter being transformed from Simon to the rock. He wants to transform and change your life today. He wants to give you hope of eternal life. He wants to give you a a new life in Jesus Christ that looks like Christ. He's forgiving. And his forgiveness transforms us and allows us to forgive Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We ought to forgive because Christ hath forgiven us. God's forgiven us for Christ's sake. It changes our life. So here's my challenge today. Will you learn from the Master? I want you to think of your inner circle, those people you have influence and impact on. Will you use the transforming tools of envisioning and patience and forgiveness to impact others in a positive way? Also, I'll ask you this question too. How is Christ transforming your life? He's not done. He's still transforming. We should be able to see in our life the, the transformation from a child of sin and a child of the old nature to a child of god that transformation is still taking place do you see it in your life what is what is god's vision for you how has god been patient with you remember how god has forgiven you and let those truths transform your life the transforming tools that christ used in peter we should use in lives of others, and Christ is still using today. Today, I want you to think about that. If we take just a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to close our service. But I want you to take a few minutes as we think about things. How can we take the example of Jesus Christ and use it in somebody else's life? And then, secondly, how can we see Christ molding us, changing us, transforming us to the image? of his son heavenly father i thank you for the word of god for the truth for the stories i pray that today we would see you working in our lives and changing us And lord i pray you'll help us to have a positive impact on those who are in our inner circle thank you so much in your name we pray amen